0: And MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. And the Lord be with every one of you. We have so recently come back from our retreat, which was as incredible as we had believed it would be. And so many were, I believe, blessed in a life changing manner. And you can join us on that retreat now by CD and uh, also we have it on video which covers every aspect of the retreat. You really get a feel of the whole retreat and you can purchase those at our website, Unconditional Love. And tonight I want to, what can I say? Uh, leftovers. These are some things that I did not get to say at the retreat, and yet I believe they are vital to the Christian life. And so uh, I'm sharing with you, it will stand on its own two legs, you don't need the other six hours of the retreat, but um, this is a taste of what we covered in the retreat. And so Uh, Turn with me to Psalm number three, and we have visited here before, but there is new insight, new revelation that I want to share with you tonight. Psalm number three, O Lord, how my adversaries have increased, many are rising up against me many are saying of my soul there is no deliverance for him in God. And in some of your Bibles, it will then have a little word at the edge in italics which says silah, which is the Hebrew word meaning pause, think, be still, reflect. And then in verse 3, having done that, but thou... O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept, I awoke, the Lord sustained me. Okay, um, this psalm, and, and I think many of you are aware of it, but let me quickly give the background. This is from the end of David's life uh, when his son Absalom rose up against his own father to destroy him. It was uh, the son was rising up to murder his father and to take the throne of Israel from him. So to bring that down to where every one of us live... Um, this was a family situation. Of course, it involved the entire nation. That's the That went with the territory of being the king of Israel. But let, let's look at it in the fact it was a family situation. This was a son who was so angry with his father, so resented him, and so wanted what his father had, And so wanted to be sure that no other son got it, that he determines to appoint himself as the new king of Israel and to murder his father. Um, Things had been bad for a long time, but now they're escalating into nothing short of civil war. And so David, although it seemed it took some time before he caught on to what was happening, but David flees. And he flees with the public opinion essentially against him. If it had been a democratic society, he would have been voted out of office at that time. Public opinion tended toward Absalom, maybe more than tended. I mean, the the general opinion was, look, David's old. He's old in years. It's time he just gives up and lets youth take the way. And if ever there was a dynamic, charismatic youth, it was Absalom. And, of course, there was also nagging in the background of many people's minds, mostly rumors you know, because it had never been really talked about in public, but there was that whole thing with Bathsheba, and it, and it stuck like a chicken bone in the throats of people. David's not only old, he's not what he used to be. And, but, I mean, it's, it's a year's, but it, it, that Bathsheba thing. And, and so the public opinion was, it's time for David to get out. I said things have been bad for some time. This didn't happen overnight. It wasn't something that Absalom decided over coffee. Actually, it had been years, years of David giving himself totally to being the king and neglecting his children. And of of all his children, he neglected Absalom The family of David, which would be another whole study, might be interesting because that's the genius of the Bible. The Holy Spirit never hides all of the, um, what shall I say? I was going to say mistakes, but worse than that, I mean the absolute wickedness and sins of the heroes of the Bible, as if to continually tell us the love of God will never let us go. And this family of David what was dysfunctional to the max. There was within the children there was sexual abuse and Absalom had been well more than neglected. They hadn't talked for for years. And all of this came to a head right here in just before this psalm was written, when Absalom said I've had enough and I don't want my other brothers to get the throne, and I want rid of my father, so I'm grabbing it right now. So so this was a consequence. Please understand that. That's very important for some of you listening. I know the Holy Spirit made it a great burden as I came to this. Some of you are facing the fact that your life right now, the situations you are in, are uh, a consequence of things that you did and have been doing maybe over a period of time. And, and so the first thought, which was the thought of all the people, the public opinion, it, it, the, the, you're consequencing. Uh, you know, suck it up. Get used to it. You ask you, me, this is the bed you made, now lay in it, you say You consequenced. Yes, we do consequence is something that is of tremendous importance in understanding people's lives but and this is the incredible background to this whole story yes we consequence and everything that was happening right now was a consequence of how David had been for this long time but This incredible God, who is love, does not leave us because of a consequence. The consequence, consequences. But he has committed himself to stay with us, and he stays with us. He is glued to us by love that will not let us go. And so he joins us in the consequence and he redeems the consequence and in that consequence he reveals himself in a way that he could not reveal himself anywhere else. And so this whole period of David's life comes through with some of the greatest revelations of the glory of God because although David was consequencing his bad action, the Lord said I'm not leaving you, I'm going to reveal myself to you in this consequence and I'm going to be with you in this consequence and just to throw it out um, a psalm that he wrote just after this psalm number 3 was psalm 23, did you know that? Right in the middle of this thing with Absalom, David wrote Psalm 23. And if David hadn't consequenced the neglect of his family and everything else, if he hadn't consequenced, we wouldn't have Psalm 23. But that's another story, isn't it? He's standing now in the consequences of a life that uh, certainly could have been better in terms of a parent. And now, at this advanced age, at least for that day, it was an advanced age, he's facing, well, more than facing, he's experiencing the loss of family. The whole family now is falling apart. And he is losing, it would seem, his throne. And and in those days, the business of being a king... And a throne was sort of family business. It was passed on to his children, or one in particular. And so his family business was falling apart. Do you know anything about that? And all the promises that God had made to him about his, his throne and his kingdom and his success, it looked like it was all falling apart too and his his property his house and everything else in jerusalem he he's leaving it it's it's going to go to his son in the most unhealthy nasty way Oh, yes, everything's falling apart and, and he left the city. He goes almost as a refugee from his own nation, and he goes over the river Jordan and, and he goes into the vast wilderness beyond, which today we call jordan uh, and and as he goes over that that river, he goes over and it says he was clothed in sackcloth. And he had ashes on his head. Interestingly, on his way there, he he went up the Mount of Olives. A thousand years later, Jesus would tread that same mountain. He goes up the Mount of Olives, and he's clothed in sackcloth and ashes, what, what was in those days, persons put on clothes of sackcloth and covered their hair in ashes when they were going to a funeral. It was specific wear for extreme mourning associated with death and a funeral. Do you, you see, David is saying, "I am attending my own funeral. It's over. And he goes off into the wilderness and and there, sleeping on the ground, along with a few faithful uh, soldiers, uh, generals that had come along with him. There it is. But it's you you see, so far, Absalom has not made contact. Absalom declared himself king down in the southern end of Israel. And he's moving with an ever-increasing force and with all the public opinion, and David hasn't yet confronted him. So he's not facing weapons right now. Get this clearly. He's not facing the weapons of Absalom, not yet. But what he is facing, and what he's talking about in this psalm, is, and I say it very carefully, something far worse than weapons of steel. These are word weapons, words that that go out like deadly arrows, words that are like missiles, invisible, an invisible but deadly energy. In, In Ephesians 6, Paul calls this the flaming arrows of the enemy, and there's a suggestion well there's two ways of looking at it the flaming arrows were arrows in a bow but they were dipped in tar and set on fire and then when they fired them then they came down onto a house and set the whole thing on fire but also they used something else that often was called a flaming arrow which was they dipped it in a poison So that when the arrow hit, it spread the poison through your body and the poison burned in all your organs and set your nerves on fire and reduced you to a horrible death. Whatever it is. Words do all of that. Words can destroy. Send a whole life up in flames. Words can so fill you full of horror that is like a burning fire within you the horror of what someone says. Someone threatens words and he's surrounded by it. He's he called my adversaries. they're rising up against me but then he, then he says they're saying you say, I haven't got to anybody pulling a sword yet. this was what they're saying. But it was that that was adversary, that's enemy, that, that's persons rising up against me. They're saying the public opinion, hard to put your finger on that. Even his friends, you know, go through the corridors of the palace and, and the government buildings, and you see them. And they're in corners and they're whispering. And when you walk up, they they stop and pretend to talk about something else. Uh, Whispers, whispers, whispers in the dark. Whispers that float on the air like these rumors. Oh, yes. And, And it wasn't only just friends. It wasn't only just public opinion, but some of his closest friends. You might call them covenant friends, and they turned against him too. The major one was Ahazothel. Ever heard of that chap? We'll have to talk about him one day. But, but he was the closest person to David, and he had deliberately, publicly gone over to Absalom. i say it again, those whispers in the dark, you know. It, it's, it's, it's like a, it's the hiss of a snake down inside you. Because, in fact, that's what it is. Behind all the humans, what is it that inspires the whispers? What is it that is the energy of those words that so hurt, that destroy, that send burning poison through your soul? Behind it all is the voice of Satan. And remember, Satan is not that idiotic clown that religion makes him uh, red pants and tail. and No, Satan, Satan is sophisticated. Satan is is the accuser he he's portrayed in some ways as the district attorney who's going to get you and his words in his case against you and he whispers in your soul and many 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 times it comes through the voice of other people who don't realize that they're being used they evaluate the situation not that it's anything really of their business, but that's people. They evaluate the situation and they judge it all by the appearances. They say, "I mean, look at what's going on. This is what they talked about uh, down there at Starbucks in in the coffees and uh, and in the in the shopping malls, and have uh, people gathered and they they all talked and yak 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 all about David. And this is what's happening. Have you heard the latest from down in Hebron? What Absalom is doing." And they judged. They determined that this is right and that's wrong. They determined that Absalom is good, David's bad. And, and they gave their reasons for their judgments. They gave their reasons for their accusations. They said there's no hope for him in God. Good grief. Oh, look at this man. He's got what was coming to him. He he should have resigned. There's no hope left for him in God. I mean, there, there are some situations where very obviously God has been with David, but this is impossible. He's facing a brick wall here. There's no way through. Even God is not enough for this. God has abandoned him. Isn't it obvious? He's withdrawn his blessing. Look at him. He's not half the man he used to be. Look, people are leaving David in droves and they're all going over to Absalom. Doesn't that tell you something? Surely, if all the people leave, that must be because God has already left David. Oh, the way people talk and the way people make their stupid conclusions. Now, David, said they, David is no longer the beloved of God. That's what we could say years ago. But that's not true. It's time for new blood. It's time for a fresh face. We discard David like an old car. You know, he's rusted out and the window's gone and he's dumped in a field. Forget him. He's over. It's a new day with a new man that God is with. What they were doing in these words. They are saying of my soul. Notice that. Not just about me. They are saying of my soul, my innermost, my core. There is no deliverance. There's no hope. There's no salvation for him in God. What are they doing? They are attacking with words. His relationship with God. Notice that. I thought this was about David and Absalom. But apparently they've jumped over that and and they are attacking his relationship with God. There is no expectancy of deliverance or making whole from God. David said they're cutting into my very soul. But it's worse than that because they are attacking God. It wasn't only then attacking David's relationship to the Lord, but they are attacking God himself. And hear me, they are saying that God is the covenant breaker. They're saying David is finished. There's no hope There's no expectancy, there's no deliverance for him in God. Just just a minute, just a minute. God had sworn in covenant to be with David, in fact, with all his people. And, And here are these pipsqueaks in shopping malls and coffee houses that have decided in their religious pomposity That David has blown it and therefore God breaks covenant with him. The covenant's only as good as you live right. God has withdrawn all his promises and strength from David. So stop expecting anything from God, David. You're on your own and we're saying goodbye, good riddance. I mean, I say it again look at the situation. They're going over to Absalom. Absalom, you want to see blessing? Look at Absalom. Everybody's for him. Everybody's praising him. Everybody's saying, this is hope and this is change. <laughs> Did you want any more proof, David? God's blessing is obviously with the crowds. And we're all saying this. We've all got two eyes in our head. And when everybody is saying it and when everything looks like it, you must accept it. God has left you. He's not interested in you. You're not good enough anymore. Oh, arrows. Flaming arrows. But they're only words. Yes, but they... They carry terrible power. They, they, they say they're attacking his soul. And you know what happens here when Satan inspires people. or if they're whispering in the dark, his whisper is a whisper among whispers. But his words, and when he gets a hold of humans to do the talking, their words that we hear, you know how it is. Uh, And they seem to come on on the wind, don't they? They they lodge inside your head. And they have this power to mimic your thoughts. Please understand this. People say, I thought this, I thought that. Uh, Did you? Are you sure? Could it be that there was a subtle arrow that lodged in your mind and set your whole brain on fire? Could it be that what is passing through your mind of despair and despondency and hopelessness is your thoughts mimicking the thoughts of Satan himself, mimicking, echoing what other people are saying because all they can do is add up appearances? Are you seeing God and Satan? The Bible goes at double vision. It, 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 you've got to understand, David, God is in this situation, period. Satan is not another God. Satan is a pretend God. God's here. And all that the people say and all that Satan the accuser says behind them suggests that God's left here if David had trusted in those words that he heard on these dark winds, if he believed those words, if he believed in that mocking laughter, if he accepted those words as his own evaluation of life, then he was finished, and I mean it. You see, we are sucked in, we're drawn into that which we focus on, that which we believe. And if David had only written those first two verses, he's done. He would have been sucked into that black hole and said, there's no hope, there's no deliverance for me in God. You see, have you noticed, where, where, when when you are believing words of the accuser, Satan, when you believe those words, wherever they come from, you see, from people, sometimes your own friends, sometimes some very dear friends, but you can always tell that it's a word of the darkness because it brings disturbance. It brings verse two. You find yourself, oh Lord, how many are risen against me? There's this 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 cry. That there's fear there. Sometimes a lot, sometimes little. But there's disturbance. You see, disturbance. There's there's anxiety. I'm restless inside. I've lost my peace with God. Self-pity rises up. And it's full of why? 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 Why does this happen to me? What are you doing to me? a complaining whining why comes up inside of me i feel overwhelmed i'm i'm drowning in despair with with all that is happening and all that people are saying i feel that hopelessness getting inside of me i feel the beginnings of depression you you know what i mean disturbance there, there there's there, this disturbing. It's disturbing of my heart. That's a sure sign that what you're listening to is not the truth. Truth only brings peace. Truth only brings, yes, joy. Therefore when I listen to these words that arise and land in my soul and set fire in my veins ah And then you begin, to, you begin to look at the past. And as you look at the past, you, you, you say, if, if only, oh, that's a bad sign, if only I had not neglected Absalom. And then as you sit up at night because you sure can't sleep, there's another sure sign there's something going wrong here. What could I have done? What might I have done? How could I have stopped this? And then, why didn't I see this coming? And then you look to the future and say, I'm doomed, I'm finished. There's no way out of this. The people are right. There's no hope for me in God. See, That's the way it goes. See, this entire battle that is brewing, it's not really started yet. But it's about to be won or lost right here. You see, what do you trust? What do you believe? Where's your faith? Will David believe in the circumstances and the appearance of those circumstances? Will he? Will he believe it? I mean it's true I'm not asking him to deny anything. It's true people are leaving. It's it's true that everything seems to be collapsing. It's true that Absalom is saying what he's saying and threatening what he threatens. But am I going to believe in the power of that? Am I going to believe it which means I surrender before it and saying it is final truth? which means then i fear it for fear is cowering before something that is seeking your harm am i going to believe the words of the people all of their judgments or all, all of their condemnations am i going to believe my friends i believed them before do i believe them now what they're saying do i believe the accuser and in believing what he says am I going to unite with his thoughts his evaluation of me accept it as truth that's the whole issue am I going to believe those first two verses as the last word is that as good as it gets and that little word "Sila," stop relax be still time to regather, focus, be still. Take a second look at this. The, the scripture, especially in Matthew chapter 6, speaks of a single eye. And a single eye, the opposite of that, is a double eye, double vision when you're overwhelmed where's God, is this Satan And is God, Satan, Satan, God God, Satan and I'm like a man with half a leg and I keep on one leg, the other leg one leg, the other leg because I can't make up my mind and a double minded man is unstable in all his ways stop get a corrective lens let the Holy Spirit focus your vision God is in this place, even if I haven't known it up until now. This is God's arena. This is God's place. Stop and realize that. Adjust your lenses through the Holy Spirit. Set your intention and stop this waffling between one and the other. Remember your identity. Remember who you are. You're God's beloved. And so after the silah is verse 3. But, aha, they are saying, but, but contradicts everything that has just gone before. You understand? They said this, they said this, they said this, but, meaning, I just informed you of what they said, but I contradict it but the word but always contradicts many times our problem is the reverse we we say oh the lord is my shield the lord is my glory the lord is the lifter of my head but and you see that's when we negate everything we just said david had it right he said this is what they're saying this is what is trying to get inside my very spirit but I contradict it. I contradict every scrap of visible evidence that might contradict the truth. I contradict the clamoring voices. But. No, that but comes on like a clap of thunder. clap of thunder attended by lightning. But, you say, but... I don't care what you say, I don't care what I see, I don't care what I hear. But but is as big as God. But you, O oh Lord are a shield about me. A shield. What's a shield? Well it's ultimate defense. It absorbs the arrows you see as they fire the arrows and you put up the shield they stick into the shield and just fizzle out huh. it, it it takes the, the material of the shield takes the, the arrows into it and neutralizes their power and at other times it simply deflects the arrow they hit the shield would bounce off, and so they're now quite useless, laying on the ground, discarded Shield. But did you notice what he says here? He says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. And, and that's a good enough translation. The, the word means all around me, about me. This is interesting. A shield we normally think of as something you sort of have out in front of you. But he says, oh Lord, you are a shield about me. You're in front of me, you're beside me, you're behind me, you're under me, you're over me. I am covered. I am completely inside the shield of God. You are around me. It's like I live in a bubble of your presence nobody can get to me those I can see but then they could sneak up behind me but even those I don't see I don't even know about but you handle them because you are my shield you are the invisible factor here everybody's talking about what they can see and what they can hear and isn't it obvious and have you heard And he said, but there's more here than that. There's an invisible factor. He's around me. He's over me. He's under me. And that means that nothing can touch me without touching God first. Nothing can get to me unless first it gets through God. Huh. This idea is actually all through the Bible. It speaks of, you are my refuge. You see, okay, what's a refuge? It's something you get into so that no one else can find you. Well, that's the same idea as here, a shield all around you and over you. It's sort of a refuge that you get inside. Another one is, speaking of the Lord, he says, you are my fortress. Same idea, you go inside it and you're safe. My strong tower is another one. I love the ones that are in the Psalms that speak of hiding under the wings of God. You like, like a chicken puts out her wings and all the little chicks go underneath the wings. And as the threat comes rushing towards, it has to get through mother hen before it can get to the chicks. And uh, I, I, I've seen what would what be terrible if one would really think about it, where i have come across after a great fire through a, a ranch uh, and came upon what looked upon a heap of blackened rags and and kicked it, you know, as one would. And out come, you know, 10, 15 little balls of yellow fluff because that was Mother Hen and she had gathered her chicks under her wings and the fire had gone through, but the chicks were saved. That's the idea, you see, you come into, inside of God himself. It's a shield. He says, nothing can touch you without it touches me first. And this, this is not something limited to the Old Testament. Jesus said that, that we are in his hand and his hand is inside the Father's hand and no man shall pluck you from his hand. You are grasped. You are hidden. In fact, Colossians 3.1 says our lives are hidden with Christ in God. We're, we're not... You know, I, I hear people talk about it. Even songs that sing about you. You're hanging on to God. You're panting after God. Come on. That, that's daft. <laughs> no one in Scripture to say that. It says he's got hold of you and the Father's got hold of him and you're right in the middle. God's love for you. And of course, the word of the New Testament is abide in Christ, which is a way, a picturesque way of saying you come to live inside of him that he is your home, he is where you live. Or to use Old Testament at the same time, where you live is a fortress, where you live is a refuge. And it says in 1 John 5, that such a person, the wicked one, touches him not. Notice something. David did not go about a long process now of screaming at God and promising God that he would read his Bible more and pray more and fast more and all that sort of stuff. He says, For you, O Lord, are... That's present tense. That's now, in this pulsing moment. Right now, you are. And David hadn't forgotten. He's He's just been distracted by all these voices. And so now he announces... But you, what what, what what are these people talking about? You are in this, this, what? You missed it. It was that moment I was, in this moment of now, this present now, you are right from where you stand in the middle of feelings of despair and anxiety and, and almost, almost, teetering over to believe what those accusing thoughts are telling you step now into who you really are and who God really is and has been the whole time and in fact where you have been and forgotten it you are you are can I say this and I think I'll have time at the end to say more about it this if you're in David's position we're, of course, in one way or another, give or take a bit of intensity, but we live there pretty often, in some way or another. You you don't you don't say, but you are, O oh Lord, our shield to me. You don't do that by a discussion of doctrine. Do, do you understand me? There, you don't get there by. A brain that tries to give a list of theological reasons why it is so. You is it. You realize it. And that is not an activity of your logical, rational brain. It is more in the area of imaging. That it, in fact, I mean, God in that sense, He's not a piece of wood, He's not a piece of steel, He's not a shield in that sense. So, what He's talking about here is all imagery anyway. And, and so, He's appealing to that part of me, where it says in the New Testament, "I has not seen, ear has not heard, is never been conceived by the rational, logical mind of man, but you've revealed it by your Spirit. And therefore, I see myself in Christ. I see the glory of God around me, a shield. I see myself in such a refuge. Think about that. What, what is this shield? Well, it's the love. Love of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. The love that is toward us, around us, and in us. Regardless of all contradictory evidence, you are now inside the love of God himself, which is a shield around you. And notice, but thou, O Lord, and that word Lord is in capital letters, which means it's Yahweh, the personal name of God. Thou, O Lord. That is, he's speaking of his relationship to the person of God, not a list of doctrines, but God Himself. Thou, O Lord, that God God doesn't come to me as a doctrine, He comes to me and puts His arms around me. His person, He says, I am your protection. I am your strength. No one gets to you but by me. He, he, that person, has loved me through all my mistakes. He's loved me through all my consequencing. As he said again and again, in a thousand different ways, I will never leave you, never, never forsake you. He'll never walk out on you. He he will never disinherit you. He'll never fire you. He'll never let you go. He'll never condemn you, demean you. He'll never act fickle with you. He loves you. And he is committed to you with a commitment that nothing can break. So they can say all they want. But you know he is with you. They can say there's no hope for you in God and you can rejoice and know that God is at work right now in this situation to reveal himself to you as never before. And in fact to reveal himself through you. Did David know that 3,000 years after he wrote that we'd be talking like this about what he wrote? God's love is our shield. All the words of Satan and humans bounce off, lose their power. And and we're not just hidden, because, you know, I've been in, in almost a shield that went around us during World War II in London when I was a little kid, sitting there in the bomb shelters with my mother and aunts while all the men were at war and I remember the sheer terror on the faces of those adults in the bomb shelter we were hidden all right we had a shield around us but inside it was a nightmare no you are hidden yes you're protected but you're inside the love of God and inside that shield is joy and peace as I said a few moments ago, David wrote Psalm 23, just after this, in which he said, You prepare a table before me, a feast, in the presence of my enemies. He said, They're all around, but I'm hidden in you, and you are feasting me. You are strength to me. And what was the strength? The covenant The covenant, you see, it isn't that God simply said he loved us, which would have been enough for he's the God who cannot lie. But it was a covenant. And specifically in what we're talking about, it was a covenant to David that had taken place way before. The Davidic covenant is a massive thing in the Old Testament. And Psalm 89, it would be good to read the whole psalm because it's David's report on that covenant. He tells us exactly what God said to him in making that covenant. But let me read just a bit of it. In Psalm 33, speaking of David, he says, the Lord says, I will not break off my loving kindness from him, nor deal falsely in my faithfulness. My covenant I will not violate, nor will I Alter the utterance of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. Boy, if anything should be written up in your kitchen, put on your refrigerator. Did you read it? He said, I won't lie to him. I will never violate what I've said in my covenant, nor will I alter the utterance of my lips. He said, there's not a word I will alter. I stand by it. Now there's a shield. Every promise of God. You see, you say, well, that was written to David. No, actually. Yes, truly. But, you see, Jesus was David's descendant, and this covenant that he made with David was carried into Jesus and then carried to you. That verse I've just read is about you and every promise that God has made to you in the Scripture that's been made over to you through Jesus. What a statement. So suddenly, all that the people are saying, the betraying of his own friends as well as the mocking, sneering, accusing voice of Satan. It's like little waves as they wash against the rock of Gibraltar. I mean, nothing doing. They they just make a noise, make a fuss, and, and throw in a hurricane or two. It doesn't make any difference. They just smash against the rock and fall back. All the thoughts that are sent against you and all the appearances doesn't change it. God is with you. You are his beloved. You are the apple of his eye. He's graven you on the palms of his hands. He will never leave you, never forsake you. And right in the middle of what's happening, he reveals himself to you in a fashion that he could not do under any other circumstances. That's that's the way it is, you see. So take the shield. I've just really been describing David doing that in the but. But just let me say it again. You see, that but, it, it indicates a deliberate act. And we who live in the end of where David's covenant was leading... We live in the fact that God himself came to us in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit through Jesus came to us and is now with us, applying to us all that Jesus did. We take it. It's a deliberate, it's an intentional act. You see, it's not merely what I was trying to say a moment ago about doctrine, you know look, I've studied doctrine the church cannot define itself without true doctrine in the power of the spirit but when we come to the moments of living it's not reciting what you or the church believes it's knowing it is taking for me it's snuggling down inside of God and, and knowing this is mine, and this is now. It, it, it isn't merely saying no to the lies. It's not, it's not merely saying I, 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 I'm not going to enter into debate with you. It's rather taking God's love. It's taking God the Holy Spirit, who has promised to be with us, and let all the words and all the lies and all the fears just be swallowed up. Let the arrows fizzle out as they hit him before they hit us. I say again, it's an act of intention. It it doesn't happen to you by some sort of holy chance. So, wow, where did that come from? Suddenly everything's okay, I'm at peace. No, it doesn't happen like that. Does not happen by default? Well, you say, the Holy Spirit lives inside. Be sure that just happens. No, no. You're not a robot. Well, actually, he, he's not trying to have a neat conclusion to this event. What he's after right now is to grow you in that relationship. And so he's not just going to impose it on you. He's not going to gatecrash your life and say, Oh, by the way, I, I've, I'm have your shield. No, he, he's teasing you. He's drawing you out to see that he is your shield and he is your refuge. And that refuge is filled with his love and his riches of glory. And he is bringing you to intentionally, deliberately say, that's, that's who I am. That's, that's who I am. I'm a man inside of God I'm a man directed by him and nothing that the people are saying can touch me. I, I've come into realizing that relationship. It's a bold statement, but thou, thou, Lord, you are. I mean, shouldn't you have been a little bit more humble? no. What you call humble in the Bible is called timidity and God's against that. You don't apologize to God. Like, no, I, I don't mean to bother you. I just got this situation come up. You, see? you don't do that daft stuff like if it be your will. This is bold. I say this very carefully because I, I'm speaking of his love. That's how... Bold because he loves to the point of being scandalous. He He's in God's face. He says, you are my shield. Where's he get it from? Because you made covenant. You swore to me your love. So you are, and I'm not ashamed. Don't you be ashamed either. But you are, you are. It's a line in the sand, you see. You've got to draw it. Stop this double minded stuff where you see God, Satan, God, Satan, who's who's winning? Uh, Drop that. It's a line in the sand. This is the truth. I don't care what Satan's doing. He's defeated. I don't care what people are doing. they're, they're, They're only seeing with natural eyes. This is the truth. Line in the sand. And on that side are all the whispering words and the mocking accusations. On this side... The Lord is my shield. He is absolute truth. He is faithful to what he is saying. What you say is not me. It is not who I am. I am now in union with this God who loves me. And, And... Incidentally, I know this is, I'm really picking here, but it says that I, I cried with my voice. You know, that's very important. He said it, he said with his voice, but thou, O Lord, art, you are my shield. He said, say it with your voice. See, your mind right now is a tornado. It's going around and there's a million voices, all those voices, that, they've got hooks into your mind. It's like the zoo at feeding time. Everybody's baying and roaring and snarling. And he says, Speak it. Or another psalm says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Uh, say. Let, let the sound of your spirit be heard. Because your voice, the sound, the, the, the energy waves of your voice inform your body and mind. Believe that. Your mind is not the boss. Speak the word of God and let your mind be informed and let the very cells of your body bow the knee to your voice. The New Testament calls this the shield of faith, Ephesians 6. It's the shield because we have rested in his faithfulness. See? We, we have come to know what he knows and believe what he believes and rest there in the peace and the joy that he always is. Don't forget that I said this is a statement from beginning to end of imagery. He didn't overcome it by thinking. He didn't overcome it by applying logic and trying to work out doctrinally where he stood in relation to God. There's a time for that. There really is. But this isn't one of them. At times like this, in the living of life, I go to another part of my inner self where i it's a heart thinking. With my heart, I tend to think in pictures. I I tend to think in imagery. I tend to see life happening and, and any form or image is okay. And he sees a shield and he steps inside. I see the shield. I step inside. I am there in Christ Jesus who is in the Father. And I see with inside eyes, I see myself inside the light of God, which you've noticed light just shreds the darkness. I'm inside the love of God and condemnation and accusation fall away. I'm inside the strength of God. I'm inside the wisdom of God and I'm receiving the words whereby I shall live. Well, I hope that's helped. As I say, that was some leftovers from our retreat but sometimes those leftovers can change lives. Sometimes, I believe the Holy Spirit urged me to this, that your life might know the transforming power of the shield of God. Take it. Another blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. His blessing be with you, in you, under you, over you, around you. And in that blessing, as you live in peace and joy, may you discover his protection, his wisdom wherewith to walk, and his strength to do so. So I bless you. That is the way it is.